Gamerheads Podcast is part of the Little Fellow Media Podcast Network, sponsored by podcast host Budsprout, the easiest podcasting software for hosting, promoting, and tracking your podcast. Coming up on Gamerheads, we discuss Blizzard's ruling on esports champion Blitzchung after his comments in support of Hong Kong. Plus, we talk about the new PS5 announcements and what we'd like to see coming there. And also, we talk about the games we're playing, including the newly released Cat Quest 2. That's all coming up on Gamerheads, so stay tuned. And welcome to another episode of Gamerheads. My name is Roger, aka Rogue Leader76. And with me are my co-host Blue. AKA Writer's View. And my co-host Christian. AKA Fulgan. And Mike wasn't able to make it, but we do have a special guest. We have Red from the Well Red Mage. Hey, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for joining us. I know it's super early for you, and and I apologize for that. Yeah, dude, two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I put pants on, so you should be happy for that. <laughs> you know what? Don't lie, because everybody knows that gamers and readers and writers are up until 3 a.m. anyway. This is true. Yeah, writers do not sleep. Uh, I've retired my, my gaming years of staying up to the wee hours, but uh, as a writer, I never sleep. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... I I long for the days of eating Doritos and, and drinking Mountain Dew and playing mm-hmm. games until, you know, wee hours, but I can't do it anymore. Like 10 mm-hmm. o'clock rolls around. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to sleep. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Uh- like, I'm convinced if I if I played a video game until two in the morning, I would just die. Just oh, yeah. Spontaneously yeah. just yeah. evaporate. <laughs> See, most of the time, if I'm playing games and it's getting late, I'll say, no, I... I really should turn this off most of the time. It depends on the game. But if I have picked up a book and I have like a personal rule that I cannot read before bedtime because I won't ever stop until the book ends. Oh, wow. Yeah. I finished a couple books like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, can't, I lost track of the number of times that I've actually read through the night and I had to put the book down and go to work. So... Yeah, well, I'm not allowed to, to read. <laughs> it's kind of hard to track time when you're reading, too. It's mm-hmm. different from when you're watching a movie or, pl- or playing a game. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, my wife, I well, I mean, we were kind of the same way with our shows. Like, we're we're binge watching uh, uh, The Leftovers. I don't know if you've seen that series at, at all, but holy crap. Oh, it, wait, is that, uh, it's the British superhero kids? No, no? that's, no, this one is, uh. This one stars Carrie Coon, which was an actress at uh, where Tani worked. So I saw her on stage a couple times. Um, but it was an HBO series, and it's about like I think one percent of the population disappears one day, and the people that are left over have to deal with it. It's really interesting. Anyway, don't mean to get too much into that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean that's the only. I mean, yeah, there'll be times where we'll be up until like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go to sleep. I gotta work the next morning. So. Yeah. Uh, welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome, listeners, from Phoenix, Arizona, home of such notables as Muhammad Ali, Danica Patrick, Steven Spielberg, Dick Van Dyke, Alice Cooper, and John McCain, and Stevie Nicks. Oh, my God. Seriously, like, everybody that's famous comes from Phoenix, Arizona. There is a list. They have a separate Wikipedia page for all the famous people that come from Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. Wow. I just listed, yeah, it's crazy. 
Google it. There are so many. I mean, every famous person that's ever lived comes from Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> I had no idea Christ himself was from Phoenix, he, Arizona. He, yes. It says he, it right here on this Wikipedia. I, it's amazing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just grabbed a couple people and I was like, oh my goodness, this is, wow. So I guess if you want to become famous, you should be from mm-hmm. Phoenix, Arizona. That, mm-hmm. I guess, that ruins my life. I guess that's, my dreams are shattered. Yep. Uh, well, welcome listeners from Phoenix and welcome members of the Gamerheads Nation, uh, members, uh, that are Miguel at Sergeant Fit Geek, Torto at JTorto40, Tim at Great Simon 81 They support Gamerheads through our Patreon page. And for only $5 a month, you too can become a member of the Gamerheads Nation. The link to the Patreon page is in the show notes. Please consider supporting our podcast. And thank you very much for those who already signed up. We really appreciate it. All right, let's move into our icebreaker this week. And this comes from Lightning Lariat, at Lightning Lariat. And the stick, sticking with the Halloween theme, the icebreaker that we have this week is what is the best horror movie game adaption? This could be in both films made into games or games made into films. So, Red, we'll start with you since you're our right. guest. <laughs> you know, you know. Also, what we didn't do, Red didn't introduce himself to say why oh, he's no. on the show. Yeah, I'm sorry, Red. I'm so sorry. Hey, that's uh, all right. Don't yeah. worry about it. No, go. It'll go haunt you for the rest of your days. <laughs> <laughs> At least the rest of this podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so, no, you should you should introduce yourself, and then we'll get into our icebreaker. Okay, so I'll just give a standard introduction here. My name is. Moses Norton, a.k.a. The Well-Read Mage. Uh, you can find me at thewellreadmage.com. Uh, writer, editor, author, magic person. Uh, leading a an army of mages to correct the course of games writing for all mm-hmm. eternity. There. I, I, I think I might have oversold that slightly. <laughs> Nonsense. But, he but, is also the mastermind and orchestrator behind the podcast Magecast. Oh, uh, this is true. Uh, and our lovely podcast network. Yeah. Yes. Little Fellow Media. Oh, right. and also president of the universe, like Sam Rockwell <laughs> in Hitchhiker's wow. Guide to the Galaxy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What kind of power does that come with? Like, can you? Uh, not much. Not much. Oh. Yeah. You get a spaceship. That's about it. I'll take a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from another planet. And you get to talk like Sam Rockwell in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, but you're not from Phoenix, Arizona. I am not. So that's why I'm not paying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, welcome, Red. I really appreciate the fact that you did come onto the show. And uh, and it's because of you that we're part of the Little Fellow Media Network. So thank you so much for inviting us yeah it's my sheer delight and thank you for the invitation as well uh so how i mean we'll get into this a little bit more when we get into how people can get a hold of you but uh can you just give a little bit about your podcast too sure so uh Magecast uh is about to hit its 30th episode we do oh we recently moved to a weekly uh schedule so we're putting out uh tentatively a new episode every Monday, uh, but Magecast basically picks one game each episode, and we have different guests, and we try and dive as deeply into that game as possible. You remember 
on the movie Ant-Man when he accidentally like shrunk down to like the the metaphysical like molecular level. <laughs> yes. That's kind of what Mage Cast is like. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sometimes. Nice. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it's just me forcing my guests to like sing on a recording. <laughs> for for my pleasure, not theirs, but <laughs> but uh yeah. Normally yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Hey, that was great, right? The Super Mario episode. Yeah. Great. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I really um I love one of my favorite ones that you did was the DC Universe one. I loved that episode a lot. Well, thank you very much. Because I was really I was really into that game. And then it made me want to download it and play again. And then I got bored with it pretty quickly. Yeah. There's a couple of people who very, very courteously asked me if I would want to join them in the game after that episode came out. Uh, And I kindly refused. (laughs) That was my last MMO. I will never play another MMO. Wow. Kind of like squaring off like drinking or something. (laughs) Yeah, that always works. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe I'll end up in like an MMO rehab someday or something like that. But uh, the game like sucked my life out. And like in retrospect, well, even when I was playing, I was like, this game is not good. Why can I not stop playing it? Yeah. But it's just the structure of the MMO that like hooks you and then don't let you go. Yeah. Yeah. Never going to let you go mm. or give you Never going to let you down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, so we'll start with you then, Red, with the icebreaker question from at Lightning Lariat. What is the best horror movie game ad- ad- adaptation for you? Okay. So a couple Titles came to my mind. Uh, I was thinking of a few NES games. There were certainly a lot more like licensed games in that era. Mm. Uh, you know, like you got like a game for almost every movie that came out. It seemed like <laughs> that's true. I was like, why don't we get that anymore? Like that would be cool, but we don't because it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's still, <laughs> and still, there's like a kind of meta enjoyment of like, hey, dude, I can play Goonies the game. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Like imagine today if you could play like up the game, like oh, up, like your wife just dies in like the first level. Oh it's one of those boss fights that you can't win. <laughs> it's, the boss fight is just the doctor telling you that you can't have kids. Oh, <laughs> this is becoming a really dark podcast. Hey, it's Pixar. It's for kids. Come on. Uh, yeah, it's not even like a horror movie. Uh, so, anyways, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick those though. Uh, I'd go with a more loose adaptation. Uh, maybe my favorite horror game. Well, no, my favorite horror game is Luigi's Mansion. So, yeah. But yeah. my favorite horror movie game adaptation uh, is probably Alien Isolation. Uh, and again, that's kind of a loose a adaptation, but it follows the the story of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just really well designed. The AI in that game was beautiful. Um, I'm a huge sci-fi fan, so that was just cake for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not to play, but to enjoy, you understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, candy. That would have been a better word to use. So I would not say that there are any in my opinion, good game-to-film adaptations uh, for horror. I've never seen one, for sure. Have you seen Resident Evil? I have. 
and I you didn't like it. It's not a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) The first one, like I watched it, I was just like, "This is like, this is it." it, It's okay. It kind of reminded me of like if you're on YouTube and you keep, you know, you keep going deeper and deeper into YouTube, and eventually you start running into like fan films from like Mumbai and like. Like Cambodia and stuff like yeah. that. So, like, we made a Mega Man movie. And I'm like, did you? Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've actually played Mega Man, but it doesn't look like this. Yeah, so it, it felt like, to me, it felt like a fan film of like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it was a fan film, but just with like. Well, yeah. And the first one is the best one of all the of them. The first one is the best After one. that, they just yeah. get ridiculous. Yeah. I watched yeah. the second one and I watched part of whatever the third one was i think and i gave up i was like forget it <laughs> oh we have them all on blu-ray <laughs> you, oh nice you, you do <laughs> yes <laughs> for because but, you like video games or uh my husband he loves action movies oh, okay okay does he like these movies oh yeah oh, okay okay and there's does kind he of... like them oh, go ahead Oh, I was just gonna. Do, do you like? Does he like them because they're there's they're Resident Evil or just because they're action movies? Just they're action movies. Oh, okay, okay. There's kind of a a a base like level of amusement that I think you can get from these movies. There's certainly like a a meta amusement of like you can watch them and like laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as a film that like if you want to just pass time, put it on. That's fine. But uh. Something that you just have on in the background while you're like washing the dishes. Yeah, or peeling potatoes. You don't really have to pay attention <laughs> yeah. to it. It just makes noise. <laughs> exactly. But then, yeah. And then recently I watched, uh, rewatched The Shining. And I was just like, I can't believe this is the same art form. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sort of like I felt like Scorsese saying that. Like, it's like, this, it's like <laughs> the Resident conversation Evil we were having. Yeah. It's like the conversation we were having the other day about manga, how there should be separate terms mm. Mm. for for certain ones like uh junji ito and um you know the akira series versus all the fan service nonsense stuff out there mm. yeah uh yeah interesting uh thanks red what about you blue what uh what is one horror game uh that was adapted to a movie or a movie that was adapted to a game so my choice, it, it mostly fits, but it's Dracula for the NES. Oh. Which is actually technically based off the book, which in itself is just a crazy thing that you would make a video game based off of a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they also made the movie adaptation that was decently faithful. So I'm going to say it counts. Yeah, because I think there is a, well, I mean, I guess I didn't play the game. Is it good? You know, it's 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 okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> it's it's a platformer. You play as Jonathan Harker, which is just it I can't stop laughing about that even all these years later cuz he's just like the most ridiculous idea of an action star. Is that and, the Keanu Reeves character? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so he they have proportioned him to look, you know, pretty much like a, a real man. And he's got his, you know, proper vest on and all of that kind of stuff. And then he's doing just these ridiculous jumps that are like three times his height. <laughs> and he's dropping super far and he's like throwing axes and he's doing like whatever's that wrestling move where you jump and like come down on your elbow. 
Oh, yeah. Apple he does drop. that to break platforms so he can go down below to the next level. It's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. But in the movie, he gets captured by Dracula, doesn't he? I know. He's like he's like the biggest wimp of a character ever. <laughs> but not in the game. <laughs> in the game. Dracula better watch out. <laughs> But it is, it's kind of fun. It's got some fun elements. Like the music, I think they did a really good job of making it creepy, mm. even despite the limitations of the 8-bit system. Yeah. And then they also have some interesting visuals. Like there's hands that reach out from the back wall of the castle forward to get you, almost like they're breaking the fourth wall. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, that's kind of cool. So That is really cool. They really did make a movie for every... Or a game for every movie, didn't they? <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day. Nice. What about you, Christian? What's one game that uh, is a good horror adaptation or the other vice versa where the game made a good movie? This one's hard for me to decide because I don't, I'm not big into horror games in general. I am a scaredy cat. Oh, yeah. But uh, I agree I with Red. Mom. Yeah, because of my mom. <laughs> I agree with Red. Alien Isolation was my first choice. Despite the fact I've not seen an alien movie, I just feel like that Alien Isolation does a fantastic job of capturing what I hear is so great about the first alien movie. Just that foreboding atmosphere and that late 70s future CRT technology. And the game is very long. I've never sat through all 12 hours of it. But every, like, around October season, I'll hop in and play it for an hour just to get that kind of stress and trepidation mm. that comes with avoiding that alien that's just out there to rip your head off. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but a second choice, one that hasn't been mentioned, would probably be Friday the 13th. It's not yeah. based on any one movie, but that game very clearly cares about the source material that it's adapting. And it's not as fun being the counselors. It's a lot more fun being Jason and murdering the crap out of the counselors. But there's a lot of great attention to detail when it comes to the costumes and the abilities by themselves, let alone all the maps and the little details that they sprinkle in here and there. And it's very nice to see someone, you know, enjoy Friday the 13th so much and just go and make a decent game out of it. Yeah. See, I've never played it, but what, like, isn't it kind of like a Dead by Daylight? Yes. Same thing? Asynchronous multiplayer, yep. Okay, so do you think that somebody loved Friday the 13th that much, or they said, hey, this other game is successful, let's make one? That's uh, a good question. I think Adam Sessler said that he really loved the Friday the 13th series. Although, I don't know if he's working on this one, but they're coming out with a Predator game now, which is the same thing, except this time as the, as the I don't know, Marines or whatever, you'll you'll have weapons, but they probably won't do anything against the Predator, so that's going to be fun. But you can be the Predator or you can be the Marines in the jungle. So I don't know. Maybe you're right, maybe. But it seems like at first it was it was a love of the, of the franchise, and that's why he made that game. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've read... I've read and watched a couple of interviews uh about like behind the scenes development for the game and adam sussler was a producer in at one point and yeah you're right blue it is a lot like dead by daylight but i think uh dead by daylight may have given them the idea to make this game and it fits very well over that license and they also like i said they sprinkle in some fan service for the people who have sat and watched through all of the umpteen friday the 13th movies because they had nothing else better to do with their lives 
Yeah, it's too bad that that game lost the li- the license though, because they had like all these other ideas to come up with, mm-hmm. and then they lost the license. That's too bad. It's a nightmare. Nightmare of licensed properties. There's always the original NES Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, yes. keep it warm. Purple and teal Jason is is still mm-hmm. the best for yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm still waiting for some little kid to show up and knock on my door on Halloween night. In that version that of Jason's costume. And whatever child eventually does that will get all of my candy. <laughs> oh. And I'll just turn off the lights and go to bed because that's it. Halloween's over. It can't get any better. <laughs> that's great. That's a great idea. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> Is you going to dress up red? Or <laughs> yeah. I told uh, uh, I'm Hawaiian, so I, I told my family I would go this year as Maui. Um, oh, cool. And have my wife uh, shave my torso and use a permanent marker to draw. All this. <laughs> so, yeah, it obviously got to the point to where I was like, "Nah, I'm not going to do this." Actually, <laughs> as long as you post pictures. Yeah, I yeah. drew the line at shave the torso. That's where I was like, "I'm not going to do this." <laughs> nice, uh, good pick, Christian. So for, for myself, actually, mine is also related to Friday the Thirteenth, but it's not the Friday the 13th, the game, it is Friday the 13th Killer Puzzle, the puzzle game that came out last year, two years ago. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. Like, it's a puzzle game. It's like you have to scare the camp, camp counselors into their deaths, and then you have to kill the last camp counselor. It's a puzzle game. Uh, it's pixelated. The deaths are all pixelated, so you can turn off the gore, but, I mean, it's just goofiness gore anyway. It's so campy. <laughs> it's so goofy, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm going to stream that, actually, for Halloween, because uh, I really, <laughs> actually really enjoyed that game a lot. Wow. I love I love the logic of that. Like, let's make a game about casually killing people in horrible ways, but let's make an option to turn off the gore so that the yeah. kids can play it if they want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had to look Wait. it up because I thought you were making it up. I was like, is this a real game? <laughs> and it, it's adorable. I mean, looking mm-hmm. at this, I was like, this is it like is. Nintendo level cuteness. Yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's cute. It's uh, it's cute. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word I should use for it, but <laughs> it is it is interesting. Uh it's fun. It's a fun game and you know, it's a puzzle game, so you know, it it you know, challenges you, makes you think. <laughs> it's one of those sliding block puzzle yeah. games too, which you see yeah. a lot of especially on like the App Store or on like Flash game websites, but putting that really cool skin on it kind of puts it above and beyond and kind of incentivizes you to actually finish a level because then you get nice, gruesome, bloody murders at the end. Yeah, that's right. Like, my favorite is when they use a plunger to kill the, the, the counselor. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's a weird game. But uh, and, then, and then I will say, I mean, this is not a film, but I will say that the Castlevania series on Netflix is really good. Mm-hmm. I know we mentioned this before, but... Mm-hmm. But it, it, it really is. It is really good. Yeah. Um. They did a really good job with taking the Castlevania series, specifically three, and then adapting it to the TV. But, I mean, I I think there's some other... I mean, it'll be interesting because I think they're going to probably sprinkle in more of the later games. Um, Symphony of Night, probably, in this next Mm -hmm. one, I think, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. But that's really good. 
Season two is a little slow at the beginning, yeah. but when you yeah. get to episode seven, mm-hmm. it's like your whole life has been worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they play play Bloody Tears, you're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. It, yeah, it's pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, so listeners, what is some of your best horror game movie uh, adaptations or both films made into games or games made into films? You can let us know. You can send us a tweet at GamerHeadsPC. You can send us an email at info at Gamerheads Podcast. You can also go to our uh, Facebook page, and it's facebook.com slash Gamerheads Podcast, and leave us a message there. Or you can go to our website at GamerheadsPodcast.com, and then leave us a message there as well. All right, so let's move on to the news. We've got quite a few items here. Uh, the first one, uh, Christian, you want to take the first one here? Sure, we've got a doozy right out the gate. This one's from the Washington Post. Blizzard restores Hong Kong players' winnings, reduces suspension after international uproar. So after causing an international political uproar, video game giant Activision Blizzard joined the fray and has reduced the suspension of a Hong Kong-based pro player of the Blizzard game Hearthstone to six months and will restore his prize money. They said, quote, the specific views expressed by Blitzchung were not a factor in the decision we made. I want to be clear. Our relationships in China had no influence on our decision. Said Blizzard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Way to deflect President yeah. J. Allen Brack in a Friday evening statement. Because he also said, quote, if this has... If this had been the opposing viewpoint delivered in the same divisive and deliberate way, we would have felt and acted the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Blizzard's actions sparked a furor, even within Congress, for appearing to bend a knee to China. Tencent, a Chinese entertainment conglomerate, owns 5% stake in Activision Blizzard, and China is a sought-after market in the entertainment world, particularly in video gaming. Brock and Blitz Chung, quote, played fair... And that the company, I'm sorry, Brax said Blitzchung, quote, played fair, and that the company now believes he should receive his prize money of $3,000. He was initially banned from competing for one whole year. Mm-hmm. All this so comes now it's down week, to six months. Six months. Yeah. So cut it in half. Yeah. And all this comes weeks before a planned protest at the company's popular annual gathering of fans, BlizzCon, Fight for the Future, an online freedom activism group called for an umbrella protest of companies that cater to China's interests. An online chatter of Blizzard's community across various social media platforms showed they fully intended to participate. Blizzard has invested in China's esports scene through its Overwatch League, placing franchises in Shanghai, Guangzhou, Hangzhou, and Chengdu. I hope I said those right. Yeah, close. That's good. That's fine. That's good. Keep going. Guangzhou. <laughs> so you're fine. Okay. Tencent, a Chinese entertainment giant, owns a 5% stake in Blizzard's parent company, as we said, Activision Blizzard, and serves as the NBA's rights holder in China. Finally, Activision Blizzard is also seeking Chinese approvals for its Call of Duty mobile game. According to the Wall Street Journal, the game saw record-breaking 100 million downloads in its first week. Releasing it in China, where mobile gaming is a larger phenomenon, would reap even more financial rewards for the largest gaming company of the West. Yeah. So nothing to do with their relationship with China right. whatsoever. Well, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, and it wasn't stated in this article, that the player, Blitzchung, 
uh, in an interview, made a pro Hong Kong statement. And you have to be, I don't know, pretty, most people should be aware of what's going on in Hong Kong, how they're fighting for their independence from China. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Of yeah. course, your decision had nothing to do with your relationships in China or all the money to be made. Right. Yeah, I think that the most startling thing is when people are surprised that businesses have their business interests in mind most. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, <laughs> it's a business, not like a, a moral entity. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we're past the point of expecting businesses to act ethically in some way that would affect their finances because the goal of business is to accumulate finances. So this is one of those instances where I was like, <laughs> it's not at all surprising. I mean, it's ridiculous, but yeah, well, it's not yeah. at all. It's not at all. What surprising. is yeah. surprising is how terribly they handled this. Oh yeah. PR I mean, seriously, <laughs> PR wise, yeah. this was just an absolute disaster. Yeah. And you are a global company with, you know, millions and millions of dollars of assets and you don't know any better yeah yeah than right. to do this i mean if you if you want to avoid putting attention on political aspects and and if you truly don't care you know about what he said but it's just that he said something political i mean you let it blow over you don't put yeah. any attention on yeah him. exactly and then you go talk about him Talk to him later behind closed doors, mm -hmm. you know, in a room with no press. And you say, don't do that again. Yeah. This yeah. is a violation of your whatever, whatever contract. And this is your warning. Yeah. It's a bunch yeah. of suits with, you know, their PR degrees and all that stuff. And yeah, ridiculous. I mean, there's some yeah. PR explosions where we're like, how did you let this happen? Ridiculous. Yeah. If you want to make sure this gets the absolute maximum amount of press possible then you did a good job yeah and i feel like there are a lot of companies in gaming that are like all public all publicity is good publicity um but not this. that's yeah that's not a good <laughs> it's not a good business motif mm -mm. yeah and it they, yeah it's um they have a the boycott of blizzard is going yeah. on now yep. it and from what i can tell it's gained an awful lot of traction on twitter and then people have been posting screenshots of them trying to uh, delete their Blizzard accounts. And Blizzard is making all these extra steps now that you have to go through to make sure that people aren't allowed to delete their accounts. What? Because then it looks bad on their books. Oh, my gosh. Like one person posted a screenshot of Blizzard saying, we have to verify your identity first. Please upload a government-issued ID. What? Yes. <laughs> Wow. So, like, make so, matters worse. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly. Blizzard goes, oh, crap. People actually care about what we did. I know. Make it so they can't delete their accounts. They'll forget about us in two weeks and come right back anyway. So They're probably yeah. banking on, like, the boycott trend of, like, there's a new boycott every week on Twitter. But mm -hmm. at the same time, this is a pretty big, like, mm -hmm. uh, PR mistake. So, yeah. This, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, it's mind-blowingly terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Oh my gosh. And it and um <laughs> well the, the the player actually made a really and I, I don't have his exact quote, but he said something along the lines of, you know, this is this is, you know, a short term thing for me, right? So if I lose and I and I'm not able to play, it's fine. 
But, you know, if Hong Kong loses, that's lifetime, right? So, that, so I mean... Yeah, they basically just made him a hero. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Martyr. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. Like, they... <laughs> they they couldn't you know they put a lifetime ban or no a year a year ban right they mm-hmm. put a year ban on him well then they can't really lift you know they have to do they feel like they have to do something right well we're gonna cut it down to half a year like six months it's like what it's just so dumb this is such a silly situation that they put themselves in it's just so dumb. yeah and now they can't <laughs> they can't yeah dig their way out of the grave so they're exactly. just making it deeper exactly mm-hmm. oh it's Wow. It's stupid. Nice job. <laughs> nice job it's a special nice kind of corporate stupid. We've talked about that before on the show. This yeah. is that special brand of corporate stupidity in action. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably that same person that worked at all those other companies. <laughs> he just keeps moving company. around. <laughs> strikes yeah, again. Exactly. He strikes again. <laughs> hey, guys, I have this idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Um, Red, do you want to take the next article here? I'd be delighted. Uh, this is one of my favorite people. So this is, uh, I'm reading the correct one, right? Stop me if I'm reading the wrong one. <laughs> From Nintendo Life. Yep, that's right. Okay. That's right. Reggie inducted into Video Game Hall of Fame with Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, I did not know there was a Video Game Hall of Fame <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award. Like I knew they Mr. Rogers. Oh yeah, just for him. I knew Mr. Rogers <laughs> got a sure, lifetime but... achievement award, but I was like, wait, Reggie's getting a lifetime achievement award? Oh, it's a video game hall of fame. Okay. Pardon the parenthetical statement. Okay. The former Nintendo of America president, Reggie Fizame, who was replaced by Doug Bowser earlier this year, has received the prestigious Walter Day Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Video Game Hall of Fame. Triforce, who, quote, was always first in line at Nintendo's launch events, put forward the nomination and was thanked during Reggie's acceptance video. The former Nintendo president also touched on how he was happy to receive the reward in a year when Nintendo was being recognized for its efforts, and also thanked the video game community for the love. The award itself is named after Walter Day, who is the founder of the American video game organization Twin Galaxies. In addition to Reggie's acceptance speech above, the International Video Game Hall of Fame put together a special montage video of Reggie's career in the industry. What do you think was the the song that they played over that montage? <laughs> was it, don't want to close my eyes, don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, Reggie, and I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> Even now, just kidding. Just do the whole song. <laughs> so you got to get singing in on every podcast. Just yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Uh, do you think they highlighted his time at at Pizza Hut as well? <laughs> <laughs> Serving lifetime. The it said lifetime. The montage right, started with right. his birth <laughs> and moved onwards. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's good that he got inducted to this Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, I didn't know there was this Lifetime Achievement Award either, but cool. That's great. It's good for him. Yeah, what is he Reggie's doing a now? super cool guy. He's just retired, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, he's not doing anything else, right? He's just like, I'm done. Yeah. Taking care of his kids? Yeah, probably. Playing Animal Crossing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this TV looks like an apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's I'm happy for for him, and and that's a you know another good. Uh, feel good story in the in the industry since we yeah. don't have a whole lot of those. So. Yeah, no, and it's nice. Oh, sorry, uh, it's nice that Nintendo recognizes the people who helped make it what it is. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not like it's not like Sean Layden leaving PlayStation under very sudden and mysterious circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Reggie is one of those personalities in gaming that was just so magnetic. Uh, he was somebody I always looked forward to seeing. You know, when they did directs or E3 or whatever, uh, he just looked like he was so fun to be around, yeah. you know, a, yeah. a great contrast to, again, the suits that run the business, you know, or you're like, do you have any personality at all? You know, <laughs> yeah. but, like Reggie looked like you just want to <laughs> like, like I wanted to hug Reggie. There's, there was that, that great uh, moment was it at the game awards when, uh, Phil, Reggie, and Sean were on stage at the same time. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was just like, this is what uh, gaming is all about. This right here is this sense of camaraderie, this sense is we're all in this together, this sense of um, I recognize that there are other brands in existence, like mm. rather than like the insane uh, um, kind of fan battles that happen between consoles, the console wars. Uh, yeah. But seeing them all on stage at once and, and sharing kind of this this trialogue, I guess, not a monologue, um, was really cool. So I definitely miss that about Reggie. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if, I mean, I certainly haven't he- heard a lot from Doug Bowser, except that he's, you know, taking the princess to another castle. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, he I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know Doug Bowser as well as I know Reggie. I mean... I don't know Reggie personally, really, but I mean, just saying like from media, right? Um, yeah, he's going to be missed for sure. Yeah, Doug will need to have like memes created about him, you know, <laughs> yeah. in order to reach, yes. like he'll need his iconic line, like not my body is ready, but he'll need something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, my spleen yeah, is he'll, ready. <laughs> they'll need to eventually, he'll need to eventually move beyond the Bowser punchline. Yeah. Which they're yeah. leaning very heavily into right now, which is great. We might as well get it all the jokes over with. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'll need to establish his own identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's good. 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 Good for Reggie. So I'm glad to see that. Uh, the last article here. Blue, do you want to take the last article? Sure. This comes from The Verge. Sony confirms PlayStation 5 name and a holiday 2020 release. Yay! <sighs> Crowd noises. <laughs> so, Sony has confirmed that its next generation console will be called the PlayStation 5, and it'll be out next year, launching in time for holiday 2020. The company also announced several changes that it'll be making to the controller on the PS5. Chief among them is replacing the current rumble technology that Sony has been using since the original PlayStation for new haptic feedback technology that it promises will offer a, quote, broader range of feedback. The other big change that Sony is talking about today is a technology it's calling adaptive triggers, which will go in the primary R2, L2 triggers on the PS5's controller. According to Sony, the developers will be able to program the resistance of the triggers, giving the example that you'll be able to feel the increased tension as you draw back a bow or force you to push down with extra pressure if you're driving through rough terrain. 
Also new on the PS5 is a completely revamped user interface that will show off far more detailed social features on the home screen. Sony promises that you'll be able to see and launch directly into specific features of a game, like a single-player level or a multiplayer match directly from the home screen, instead of first having to launch the game and then navigate in. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah. To the surprise of no one, it's called the PS5. Yeah, right. (laughs) They were like, the company announced it'll be called the PlayStation 5. Really? <laughs> You're not calling it PS Scarlet or something like that? I can't wait till we get the PSX. Yeah, like, oh, what is yeah. How, how edgy will that be? Yeah, yeah. PS Triple yeah. X. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody asked me, too, they're like, holiday 2020, like, what holiday? And I was like, I mean. Easter. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. Of, yep. Everybody knows. That's the yep. first. Well, no, I guess Valentine's Day is like the first one. Yeah. The yep. holiday that shall not be mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> did they did they say a price point for this? They thing? did not. People are still speculating. Uh I'm gonna guess six hundred. Six hundred, Bob. There's yeah. also the potential. There are rumors swirling that they may or may not come out with a pro tier console immediately day and date with the other tier. Really? So it's just speculation. There's no you know, that's just conjecture. There's no evidence behind that. Mm. But it's a rumor. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm excited for it, but also I'm like, I don't want my pocketbook to, to be hurt by this too. <laughs> just add it to the list. I know. Yeah. I think five to 600 is, is probably what I would expect to see. I yeah. Think- under 500 would be would be surprising yeah. to me watch them pull a yeah. ps3 and it's like the first four mm. digit price tag yeah like it's like no kidding eleven hundred dollars <laughs> you're like oh, good yeah. lord ah uh, it just starts <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's the I, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they if it's above five or six hundred either like yeah because i mean yeah look at the playstation 3 that was so ridiculous but that hurt them a lot too mm-hmm. so you like to think that they would have learned, but this is a corporation we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. These things happen in years of twos, sets of two years, where Nintendo, you know, they've got the really good Wii, they blatch it with the Wii U, but then they yeah. have the really good Switch. Hmm. Xbox did the same thing, really good Xbox 360, botch it with the Xbox One. Yeah. PlayStation, really good PS2, botched it with the PS3. Hmm. So, so they're due is what you're saying. Yes, they are due to screw this one up. That's interesting. Well, it's because the same guy that goes from company to company. <laughs> <laughs> he's done at Blizzard now. His work is finished. <laughs> he's dusting off his hands and he's say, where should I go next? Ah, Sony. <laughs> well, there's a vacancy now that Sean's gone, so. Oh. Go. oh yeah, Good man. call. Like we hired right Batman as to be our front man and replacing <laughs> Sean Layden. What do you guys think oh. will be the launch titles for this thing? Oh, that's what everybody wants to know. I mean, this whole thing about the social features from the home screen, I could give, you know, a flying rat's butt about that. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've um, had social features like on PlayStation games before, like mm-hmm. PlayStation Home. I used that once, got confused, <laughs> yeah. and like hard reset the console. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know how to get out of here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I was like but in like, my twenties too. Like, come on. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I I don't have I think I have like one PlayStation friend and that's probably my husband. And that's probably <laughs> it. Like I'm if I want to talk to people, I'll go on my phone. I'll go on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. You know, but I'm if if I'm on the PlayStation, I'm here to work. Yeah. A console so. as a social platform is kind of stupid. I mean, like I I'm not a huge fan of on-screen keyboards. Like and I'm not going to sit oh, yeah. and like, you know, type out a long message. On like a stupid on-screen keyboard, I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty silly. I think the idea of what they're talking about the triggers sounds interesting. Yeah, that does. Um, but yeah, what everybody wants to know is what's the price and what are the launch titles? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe well, they'll certainly have a Death Stranding on this system. I mean, Death Stranding will be on the system, and probably The Last well, of Us too. I don't know. I'm really. Because Death Stranding will be a year old by the time this comes out. Yeah, true. But they did also announce – It's what I find interesting about these news stories is that it's little bits and pieces trickled out throughout the course of like the past year. Like they came out sometime last year, I think it was, or early this year saying the next console exists, we're working on it. And now we're getting more details about it. And so they came out the first time that they did their like interviews with random publications saying we are making it and they confirmed it will be PS4 backwards compatible. So you could just play your same old PS4 games on it. But you could play Death Stranding and The Last of Us 2 on it if you have the PS4 copies. Then I was seeing this week, and I wish I could remember where I say it, that it won't be fully yeah, I saw that too. backwards compatible. Oh, I see. Yeah. Whatever that means. Mm. Yeah. But there is a qualifier attached to it. Yeah, you can put the disc in, but you can't play it. So <laughs> The disc is the same size, so yeah, that counts, yep. right? Yep, yep. <laughs> For someone like myself who spends a lot of time playing retro titles, uh, backwards compal- compatibility is a huge sell for me. Uh, it means I can put one of my consoles away in the closet, you know, like as it is now, I've got a PS2 and a PS3 out and that covers the range. And then I've got, you know, PS4, obviously. But um, <laughs> my brother asked me, um, why, why don't they just put out PS5 and it's backwards compatible all the way back to like the PS1? I was like, because that's. You just don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Because that would be what the consumer wants. And then we can't do Mm -hmm. ports and remakes and sell old games all over again. Exactly. And again, like I mentioned earlier, it would be, you know, the business is most interested in making money. And sometimes they don't see, you know, how they may make extra money from consumers for that. But I'm sure they're thinking about exactly what you said. Right. They wouldn't be able to, you know, resell ports and re-releases and and all these things and minis and stuff like that that they want to yeah. do, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, because the PlayStation Mini was What's so under- successful. I mean, who yeah. knows how much they poured <laughs> in and that thing debuted at a hundred dollars? Yes. A hundred dollars. Yeah, now it's on sale at Walmart, like in that basket where they put all the stuff that nobody wants. <laughs> like that is the PS three of of mini consoles. It's ridiculous <laughs> yes. how expensive that thing. It was like a hundred bucks for yeah. yeah. yeah nuts but yeah i think you're right in that they they also don't seem to see or care about the money-making potential of having something be fully backwards compatible because 
like if they said, here's the PlayStation 5, it's $500. Here's the PlayStation 5 with full backwards capacity all the way back to PlayStation 1, it's $800. Yeah, and then I they, would buy that one. Exactly. I probably would too. I mean, not launch date. And then they could re-release the old games, yeah. not necessarily ports, but like, you know how uh, new albums release on vinyl mm-hmm. because people are interested in that format? Mm-hmm. You just say, here, it's the same old PlayStation 7. It's not a port. It's, you know, we're re-releasing that original game. Yeah. Yeah, I I read an article uh, that somebody shared with me from uh, Square Enix where they were saying that they plan to release their entire sort of retro library um, after, you know, we've just got Final Fantasy VIII remastered and uh, the Mana collection and stuff like that. but they said one of the difficulties is uh, they, he mentioned the source code. I don't know anything about source code. I don't know what that means. Like he might as well just say we lost the magic lamp and we can't make these games anymore. <laughs> and I'd just be like, sure. Like that sounds like somebody threw away the napkin yeah. it was written on. But his point was that you know back in the day they didn't think about games preservation. They just made the game, and then the data gets lost you know, through all these transitions of companies and so on and so forth. So there are some games that are just much more difficult to re-release, but if... Aren't there emulators, though? Well, there yeah. there are. I think that's probably different than getting it onto a, a new platform. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But because, again, I, I source code might as well just be Greek to me. But that's what, yeah, that's what their explanation was. Though, um, if if this was backwards compatible all the way back to the first generation of PlayStation. That certainly would, uh, I would think, beckon developers to sort of re-release the classics over again, give them like a platinum edition or whatever, um, and not do much to them like Final Fantasy VIII Remastered. There wasn't a whole lot done to that. Um, Playing it through, I was like, well, the models look nice. Backgrounds look eh, a little okay. The cutscenes look swell, but... It wasn't like they did a whole lot to it. You know, there's no extra content or stuff like that. Yeah. It's interesting that you're talking about how companies uh, kind of supposedly underestimate the buying potential in backwards compatibility when it seems like that's what the PS3 did out the gate. And that's why it costed that $600 price tag right out the gate because they had the PS2 and PS1 backwards compatibility. And they had to put like basically an entire PS2 hardware into the PS3 shell. And they were selling the PS3 at a loss Mm. at $600 because its cell architecture was so vastly different from the PS2s and PS1s. And Xbox has been doing an awesome job with backwards compatibility. Not everything is backwards compatible because they put a lot of time and effort and money into making sure these original Xbox games can run in a state that's even technically better than they were on your Xbox One console, which is crazy and bonkers. But Xbox Ones aren't necessarily flying off the shelves all of a sudden because of Mm. it. That's a great point. I think that, yeah, imagine the PS5 containing the hardware for the previous four iterations of PlayStation. Um, I think we, I mean, to me, it's magic. I don't know anything about hardware (laughs) development or anything like that. So it's just like, yeah, just put it in there. And of course it's not going to cost any extra money or time for you to develop, like give it to me now. But yeah, Yeah. who knows what, what it would cost. If Microsoft can do it, surely Sony can do it. Yeah. 
Well, Sony kind of is doing it right now with their PlayStation Now. I mean, they actually brought that was the other news article too that they brought the price for the PlayStation Now down to ten dollars a month. I think. I think it was twenty dollars a month at one time. It was twenty. Now it's ten or sixty if you sign up for the year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, so you know, so, so I, I think I think that's the way to go with the. I mean, from their, their well, two reasons. One, from their perspective of the streaming services to have the retro games available, because I think it's easier for them to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from like a technological standpoint, um, because I think you're right. If you if you just try to build the hardware that can play the old games, I don't know. There's a lot that would go into that because you have to use new technology, but then try to dump down the, the game, the system well enough that it can actually play some of the older games. I mean, it's the same thing with with PCs, right? Like I can't play some of my old games on them anymore. Oh yeah, because yeah, I found um, I found my SimCity 2000 disc. And I went to go plug it in my laptop, and my laptop's like, what the heck is this crap? Exactly. 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 But the the other thing, too, is that for them, they want to make money. And if they allowed these systems to play old uh, renditions of the game, I mean, they can just go out and buy them used. So they're not seeing revenue for that at all. Um, And so... I mean, you're right, but... There are some games that are really hard to find and oh, yeah, are really cost prohibitive. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't no, care I about agree. that. Though. They're just like, go ahead, Suico Den <laughs> but Five can be care. like six thousand dollars. Like, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they should yeah. care because that means they could re-release it, and I would say, oh, I'll buy that for twenty-five dollars instead of six hundred dollars over yeah. here. It might be a matter too of like time and prioritization, like how high yeah. up does this rank in terms of their priority? Like if they're, if they're so focused on pushing sort of the photorealism and, you know, all these sort of new uh, systems, then how much of their finite time are they going to be able to dedicate to uh, having backwards compatibility to four generations? Yeah. Then their priorities are wrong. We need to cater to this very niche group of serious retro gamers who care about preservation. Well, you know what? Maybe somebody at Sony will be like, hey, I want to play Suikoden 2. And they go on eBay and they're like, this is a crime. And then that's how they develop backwards compatibility. Yeah. 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 The other question I had was, uh, what what uh, what generation are we in now Like for consoles? Because I'm totally lost. I think it's ninth, isn't it? Is it? I mean, what is what is a where's the switch fall into? All switch this? is it's weird because like the... it's like, oh, and Nintendo always puts their stuff out early too, right? So yeah, uh, but the switch is like a hybrid console. So I don't know. There's people that were putting it at like eight point five. I believe it was eight point five. Um, but yeah, it was like now you're having half generations stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So I don't know. But <laughs> it's not an exact science. Yeah. And Nintendo doesn't play by rules anyway. They're just like, we're going to no, do what we they, want. They don't bother trying to compete with <laughs> yeah. Microsoft and Sony. They just, they have their own game. They're like, we already have photorealism with our eyes. Why would we make this? <laughs> why would we make this, this in our video games? That's ridiculous. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, any other news items that anyone has? Mm-mm. No. Unless we feel like making fun of Mario Kart Tour a little bit more. <laughs> what what happened with Mario Kart Tour? <laughs> so last week, remember how much you laughed when they they were selling Mario for twenty dollars? Yeah. yeah. 
So laughed now, and cried, I think. Laughed yeah. and cried. So now yeah. they have a new bundle. It's Diddy Kong and oh, I think no. some other things. Forty dollars. What? What? Forty dollars. The price of a full game. Oh my gosh. So you can play as little Diddy Kong in this crappy mobile Mario Kart. Oh what the heck, Nintendo? What are you thinking? Nobody <laughs> what the what is wrong? And people thought paying fifteen dollars for a full fat Mario game on their phone was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So here's the here's, <laughs> Nintendo's like, hold my beer. <laughs> here's the thing with Nintendo is they're like famous for or infamous rather, for like the super pricey peripherals. Uh you remember when they announced the Super Nintendo Classic, um, or not Classic, the uh, the Switch Online um, Super Nintendo Library, and then they announced like, oh, and we're we're releasing these uh, controllers that you can buy for the Switch. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, I have like hundreds of those, like off brands, third parties, first parties. I've got hundreds <laughs> of those. And what were they like, forty yeah. bucks or something like that? Yeah. Something and they were sold out quickly. That's, okay, I saw people and, complaining they couldn't find. And them. that is exactly why they're going to keep releasing overpriced peripherals. It's like, guys, yeah. if you're complaining about it, don't buy it. Like simple as that. Yeah. And then they're going to stop yeah. making those, or they're going to release them at a lower price. But if you're buying a controller that you already have, that essentially like a pro con can already do, it has like the same button layout for crying out loud. And you're gonna buy. You're gonna give them money for this schlock. Well, that's then you deserve it. You deserve to live in a world where, like, they can sell you the head of Donkey Kong for like two thousand dollars, and you have to like assemble like the rest of his body through like booster packs that cost like fifty bucks each. But hey, hey, I think what you're discounting is the all the um unfulfilled desires of North American <laughs> Nintendo kids because now we could go and buy the peripheral controller, but it'll have the Super Famicom buttons, not those purple buttons. <laughs> you know right. what? That's right. You can always paint the purple buttons for like that's such a dad cents. thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then when I was telling people when I was telling people do not buy these these uh, controllers unless you want Nintendo to do overpriced peripherals. Uh, like somebody was like, you sound like a dad right now. I was like, well, <laughs> all these we don't need to buy that. We have that. Yeah. Home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just paint it. It's the same the point is just be a smarter consumer. I mean, if you're pissed off that yeah. like the PS five is going to be $2,000, then don't buy it. Like just wait until they really like, lower the price. There's like the same thing with the PS three. Like, if you're one of those people, like, yeah, but I have to have it at launch day, even though it was wet. Like, how, what was the PS3? Like, $800 or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Some, yeah. Then you're an idiot. Like, I'm sorry. But, I mean, if you if that's what you really wanted to do, fine. But if you, you were like, I really want it to be a lower price, but, yeah, I got to keep up with the Joneses or whatever. Then, yeah. like, that's on you, buddy. Well, when I worked at Best Buy, I mean, they had different segments like they would sell based on what segment that you are like placed in based on like kind of questions that they ask you and one of them was the buzz and buzz is the the kid the the young kid that comes in and wants to be the you know the guy that has the best technology the newest stuff out there and and they would target them i mean they would you know you would you would show them saying hey oh like all the kids like have this and this is something that's new technology wouldn't it be great if you could have all your friends come over and play it here and you know so that's how they target yeah. it and i mean there is i i'd be interested to see how many of these diddy kong units that they sell 
uh, at $40. Uh, because I think there is something about like, you know, people playing that game and showing off saying, look, at I got Diddy Kong. Yeah. It's like, look, yeah. I spend money willy nilly. <laughs> like, what is like the social value of like this? I have this. It's so weird, right? Because you're people like, yeah. look, I have this statue of Cloud on a motorcycle that literally costs like $300. Like, <laughs> so you're bragging that you're bad with money or like, I don't yeah. see like. Or you have money to burn. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, again, I I don't understand. Now, again, if you're a collector, if you love it for the thing that's the thing, then that's cool. But I don't get like the social attachment to it. You know, like this raises you on the social ladder because you have a statue of cloud on your shelf. (laughs) Yeah. It must be, this game must be meant for people who don't play video games. Yeah. Because it's like how how Mike was saying last week that his brother-in-law who doesn't play video games, but still text him and was so excited about Mario Kart Tour. Yeah. Because anyone who plays video games would know that $40 for Diddy Kong in this stupid mobile game, I mean, that's ridiculous. You can buy a real game for $40. Yeah, it would only, it seems like it would only be people who don't know any better. Yeah. Would say, oh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And I think, I think too, I mean, going off of the, you know, buying, you know, like statues and stuff like that. At least I have something physically mm. in hand. Now, granted, I buy a lot of digital games, but to buy one character at forty dollars—that's in a free-to-play game. In a free-to-play game, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. If you love retro video games and want to watch eight or more gamers compete for video game glory, come join us for the RGB High Score Live Tournament. We play one Wednesday a month at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at twitch.tv slash retrogamebrews. Join us on October 30th for Zombies Ate My Neighbors. For more information and updates, follow us on Twitter at retrogamebrews. RGB High Score. Relive the past. Hi, I'm the well-read mage. Yes, a literal mage who chose literally the most mediocre of magic branches. I host MageCast. What is MageCast? Well, it's a constantly evolving, multifaceted, quasi-dimensional, time-zone chattering podcast with a set of puns for its title. Cast refers to the fact that it's a podcast, but also to the rotating cast of mages and guests who make an appearance on the show. And also, cast refers to mages casting spells, so there's that as well for you purists out there. Anyway, we created this podcast as an extension of the work we do on our collective website, thewellreadmage.com. Home to over three dozen writers from around the world, centered on video game criticism and review writing. Our goal is to elevate the discussion about and surrounding games themselves through welcoming in other branches of study and introspection, such as, on occasion, art history, philosophy, anthropology, theology, the natural sciences, and other big word stuff. Each episode is structured around a single game, so there's no need to worry about obsolete news cycles coming and going, and you can jump into MageCast at any point, really. And now, if you'll excuse me, I've got an emerald weapon to fight. And you can find us on Buzzsprout, part of Little Fella Media Network Podcast Network. All right. Then let's move on to listener feedback. And listeners, you can always get a hold of us. Christian, how can they send us a tweet? At Gamerheads PC on Twitter. And how can they send us an email? Info at GamerheadsPodcast.com. And what is our Facebook page? Facebook.com slash GamerheadsPodcast. And our website? GamerheadsPodcast.com. Nice. Uh, so last week we asked the question, what's a good beginner scary video game for kids? 
and and red before we move on to listener feedback. Do you have an answer for that? Uh, so my kids are four and two. So, <laughs> so I haven't <laughs> thought about this question too in depth, but I did see it and give it some thought. Um, <laughs> so a big thing for me as a, as a parent, um, I had a kid brother had, I have a kid brother who <laughs> is still around uh, and all that. Uh, he's 15 years younger than me. So um, he's still a teenager, but uh, a big thing for him and because I played a lot of video games as he was growing up. And a big thing for my kids is age appropriateness. Um, and I think that with age appropriateness comes individual appropriateness. So I don't, I don't um, try and say what, you know, other people should do with their kids. Unless you're the guy that takes your kids to go see Joker. Like I mentioned <laughs> to you in the beginning, I was like, I, was, I saw Joker and like this guy brings his two kids, like, like young kids, like in front. And like one, like the boy was like applauding when like the Joker does something like horrific. I was like, what? I mean, you're kind of like, this is not, yeah, the kid's going to miss the point. The film's already complicated. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, yeah. uh, the point being, I think the dad also missed a point too. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I thought you said your dad missed the point. I was like, no, 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 no. The film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dad definitely missed the point. He was laughing yeah, at, yeah. yeah, he was laughing at the ultra violence and stuff like that. It was like when I went and saw Princess Mononoke in the theaters uh, a couple of years ago. They did a re-release, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, like the fe- the entire theater was like laughing at like this film that uses violence in like a stark way to make a point about violence and anti-violence and all this stuff. And I was like, you guys are missing the point of this movie, but it looks cool. So that's all that matters. Um, (laughs) So anyway, um, my four-year-old is just old enough to start playing um, video games on his own. So I, I had him trained on the very first game he ever played was the original legend of Zelda. Um, which it's, it's a kind game, you know, cause if he dies, he just respawns right away and uh, he can kind of explore and do whatever he wants at his own pace. Um, but as far as a scary video game for kids, so I would probably start my kids off with something on the NES. Um, mm. because I think that NES is a great place to start any kid on, but, um, it's not so, yeah, it's not so gory or disturbing. I mean, I don't want to like have my kids play this game and then I have to get up every night because they're going to have nightmares. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, why would I do that to myself? <laughs> so, I already have to get up when he has to pee anyway. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I look forward to the day when I can show him like you know scary films. Um, but I haven't thought too much about um, scary games. I think I, in a lot of ways I'm like Christian, where I I don't play too many horror games. Um, but the the ones that stand out, like Alien Isolation, we both mentioned, um, is one that I highly enjoyed. But it's not a it's not a genre that I usually go out of my way to seek out. So maybe like yeah. Castlevania or something like that. Be like that's yeah. scary enough. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Uh, well, do you want to take the first uh, feedback that we got from listeners? Sure. Um, so this is from uh, Draculus23 tweeted, My kids love Resident Evil 2 Remake. Instead of being scared of Mr. X, we call him Big Sexy. They laugh <laughs> and find interesting ways to get killed by him. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> 
I actually was shocked because we got a good amount of answers for this. And I was shocked how many people said, oh, kids, start them out on Resident Evil, start them out on Silent Hill. And I was like, good Lord, if you're starting your, if you think Resident Evil and Silent Hill are good scary games for kids, what do you play as yeah. an adult? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Silent Hill's still too scary for me. I'm 34, and I will never, I will never be old enough for a Silent Hill. I've realized, like, I'll be 78 and be like, nope, no, nope, still playing in the rated E for everyone zone. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I think it depends too on like what each person's definition of kids is. Like when I think of kids, I think like like younger than 10. Um, but at the same time, so you talk to some people and they're like, oh, you think of like teenagers as kids too. So eh, I don't know true. if maybe they're all thinking, maybe they're all thinking teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I think if I'm having my four year old play Silent Hill, I, I cross some kind of ethical line somewhere. They call, they call me old. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, if my kid's older than that, you know, then that, then that's another thing entirely. So, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point because I mean I played Resident Evil, the very first one when I was about sixteen. No, I was older than that, seventeen. And when I played that game, uh, I, I I had all the lights off and I was playing through the game. And man, I screamed and I turned up the first time the zombie was on the ground and I was like, "What's that?" And he came up at me. I'm like, "Ah!" And my my parents were like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Ah, I'm just playing a video game." My parents were like, stop playing video games. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. And again, like each parent knows their kid and what they can handle better than like anybody else. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you have kids already or, or you're, you're about to, you're expecting something like that? Uh, I have two okay. kids and we're expecting our third. Awesome. So, uh, my oldest is eight and my youngest is four. And so my eight year old plays a lot of like Minecraft. Actually, that's a good scary game because they have the, yeah, in that's there. true. Yeah, there's scary things in games that aren't horror games. Yes. Like um, Majora's Mask has got some freaky yes. crap yes. in it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and my four-year-old, he doesn't, I mean, he hasn't really shown a whole, I mean, he plays some games, but they're like more, oh, uh, no, he plays, he plays Stardew Valley, oh. but he doesn't, <laughs> he plays, but he doesn't really know what he he's doing. He doesn't put know. the fruit in the right box. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and they play a lot of Animal Crossing, so those are the types of games that they play. Um, cool. Uh, Christian, you want to take the next one? This one's from 16-Bit Dad Blog. They tweeted, start them off strong with some Resident Evil 2 or Dino Crisis. Mm, Dino Crisis. Another Resident Evil 2. I think of those two, Dino Crisis is probably the milder one, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long time since I played Dino Crisis too. I guess it's kind of a horror game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess it it's like do you think Jurassic Park is a horror movie yeah. or just it has an horror movie? elements in it, right? Like that yeah. that mm -hmm. opening sequence where the guy like gets his hands stuck in the the box and it doesn't show you the dinosaur is like pretty yeah. horrifying. And it's yeah. shot like a or, horror scene too. Yep. Or when the kids are in the kitchen yes. trying to get away from the raptors. And so then you could just say, yeah, play uh, Jurassic Park on Super Nintendo. There you go. That's a horror game. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it has the same effect. Nah, but yes. <laughs> like shooting like tasers at like all these dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. That game sucks. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, there is a reason why they don't make yeah, it. Yeah, the, the licensed games anyway. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. I miss him. God bless him. <laughs> uh, Blue, do you want to take the next one there? Sure. This is from at 90s Court, and they tweeted, Resident Evil 4, just throw him into the deep end without a life raft. Hmm. It's a dark comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they used to teach him to swim, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Just throw him in. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Actually, uh. Oh, no, and I was ahead. just going to say, I think that's how my dad taught me to swim, but I can't remember. <laughs> I, yeah, I hear a lot of people tell stories about, yeah, my parents did that to me. Like, well, okay, if everybody's parents did that to them, should we at some point stop the cycle? Right, yeah. And well, go to proper swimming lessons? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole we'll thing, like, popularity <laughs> Popularity defines what's right. I don't think so. So you can yeah. take your... your... <laughs> I, my dad didn't teach me to swim that way. We went. We had proper swimming lessons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, how I turned, that's actually how I learned how to drive stick shift, though. My dad was just like, all right, here you go. You're driving a stick shift car up a hill. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, and then Red, would you want to take the last? Sure. One? This is from at Goat five one five zero who tweeted, "Friday the Thirteenth for NES was probably the first horror game I played as a kid. I remember the jump scares I'd get when searching the cabins, and he'd pop out from around the corner. I have a great answer. It just popped in my head. Maniac yeah. Mansion is a oh. great starter. It's cartoonish, yeah. you know, and it has some yeah. humor to keep the kids engaged." Uh, you know, and yeah. it kind of it's got some puzzle elements. Might need a little help from parents to get through it, but yeah, definitely like a B movie horror game or like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. You know, Zombies Ate yeah, My great yeah. fun with yep. your kid as you're playing it with them. So lots yeah. of good titles from that era. George Lucas was involved with Zombie Ate My Neighbors, I believe. Yeah, Lucas right? Games or Lucas Arts or whatever it was. Yeah, and that's a yeah. beautiful classic. Yeah. You cool. can play through the entirety of Maniac Mansion in Day of the Tentacle. This is true, yeah. Which is how That's I played true. it. That's true. That's true. That's also kind of, eh, I was going to say kind of horror-ish, but <laughs> not really, I guess. <laughs> I mean, the tentacles are kind of scary, right? Yeah. I mean, it's an alien, I guess alien horror-ish, yeah. right? They're just like a disembodied uh, tentacle. Like, that would make for an yeah. exciting <laughs> film adaptation. <laughs> just like yeah. a bunch of people running from like a single tentacle that's just like slithering on the ground. Like, yay. Uh, but make it in 3D. Oh, uh, yeah. 3D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least nobody was like, oh, yeah, The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Not a kid's game. No. No. Uh, and then we got some iTunes listener feedback too. And Blue, do you want to read this? Sure. This is from uh, Miko Rico 25. They titled the review engaging and thought provoking. I listened to this podcast while running errands today, and I found myself waiting in the parking lot for the episode to be over. It's engaging, thought provoking, and fun. Great chemistry. Make them part of your commute too. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Though we're not responsible if you're late for work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell your boss I can't. I you know I was twenty minutes late because I was listening to the Gamerheads podcast. That's you know, you know, boss. It would be a better idea if we all listen to the Gamerheads podcast. There you go. Yeah. I think that's a great use of company time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After all of this, like companies are stupid and PR, <laughs> PR down with corporations. Yeah, and then, but you guys should spend your time listening to our podcast. <laughs> I think it is valuable. You know, we're encouraging corporations to be better. Yeah, right. And that's your boss right. 
it's good for your boss to hear that. Yeah, not only are we about video games, but we're about morality and corporations. <laughs> Very socially conscious. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> thanks for the feedback. And listeners, uh, you can also leave us feedback, too, on iTunes. You can do so. We have a link right in our show notes, and you can click there and leave us feedback. So, All right, so that is our feedback. Then we're going to move on to what games we're currently playing. And Red, since you are our guest, we'll start with you. What games are you currently playing right now? Oh, thanks so much. So I'm actually between games right now. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Fight and Rage, which is a uh, beat 'em up indie, uh, retro themed beat 'em up um, that nobody's talking about, but should be. It mm-hmm. um, solves a lot of the problems of replayability with classic beat 'em ups. Um, you know, you play something like Turtles in Time, uh, Captain Commando, uh, Streets of Rage, and as great as they are, when you're done, you're done. But this game has uh, branching uh, storyline paths. It has uh, collectible items. It has a current an in-game currency system, um, not for microtransactions, but you you basically earn currency by playing the game. Um, unlockable characters, different modes. I was just blown away that like this was as big of a game as it is in the beat 'em up genre. Um, so highly recommend it for those who are fans of of classic beat 'em ups. Um, yeah, you can have like three player simultaneous. Uh, really great differences between the characters. So and it's a beautiful game, really, really well well crafted. So. Were you playing that? What, what, so that's on that Switch, on? Uh, but it's available okay. on any platform. You can play it on Steam okay. and uh, the consoles as well. So, Does it have online? It does not. Too? That was my biggest complaint, uh-huh. which, because um, let's face it, how many times do you have like two friends over <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. let's hang out? I mean, couch co-op is my favorite way to play video games. Um, yeah. So I try and get friends over as frequently as possible, but it's just not doable in your 30s so yeah <laughs> wait till you get your 40s. yeah i can imagine <laughs> when it gets to your 60s you're like wait what are friends yeah, yeah. Um, well instead i hope instead of playing like you know uh bridge or something like that when i'm in my yeah. 50s yeah. and 60s i'll be playing beat-em-ups and stuff like that so you yeah. remember did you play the capcom beat-em-up bundle uh i did okay. not so a great great bundle that uh, pulls together, I think it was six or seven classic beat 'em up titles from Capcom. Um, but it did have online capabilities where you could play through the game with oh. another human being uh, just across yeah. the internet. And so yeah. um, Fight and Rage has like, you can have computer allies. So at least there's that. But still having somebody there in person, uh, it's kind of a hard game. So like the first couple times I beat it, I played it with my brother, um, we did do all three players once. I had a friend over and my brother. Uh, and when we beat the game, it was just like high fives all around, you know, some punches in the nice. face, you know, a little bit of it. <laughs> it turned into a mob, basically. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was great fun. So, yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, and, and that's out already on the Switch? Yes. Uh, it's been out for a couple weeks now. Um, there is a review on the wellreadmage.com if you want to check it out. The nice. Fight and Rage. Um, but beyond that, I'm playing a little bit of um, Zelda Wind Waker HD on Wii U. Oh. Um, found a Wii U for pretty cheap and gifted it to myself for my birthday. 
<laughs> so catching up with that nice. uh, library before they poured it all to the Switch. So, um, yeah, that's been fun revisiting. Did you play the original GameCube at all? I man? did, yeah. Um, I owned a GameCube for one week, and then uh, I bought a Wii, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't really need this thing. So, um, in retrospect, I wish I wish I'd kept it because it would have been cool to have. But um, so yeah, a little bit of experience with GameCube, but not much. So you haven't played a lot of Wind Waker on the no. GameCube? So I I did come. Well, I came close to completing it, I think. I don't think I ever finished Wind Waker. Um, but I played uh, Wind Waker on the GameCube. Still have it, but I played it on the Wii. Um, yeah. And then now I'm just like, there's there's parts of this game I don't remember. So I, I don't know if I finished it or not. Can't remember. So they In the HD version, they kind of reworked how the lead up to the last dungeon works so that it's significantly less frustrating, which makes... Wind Waker HD, like the preferred way to play Wind Waker in the current ah, day. I age. see. Yeah, I I do remember um, a lot of the original Wind Waker being kind of tedious. Um, I'm a huge fan of the ocean, so like I was just like devouring this game. But um, yeah. yeah, it does. Where you're like, I got to change the wind again, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Do you like how the uh, game looks red? Because there are some people who felt alienated mm. by the HD remaster's art style because they kind of turned up the bloom a little bit. Things are a little whiter or lighter and a little washed out when compared to the GameCube original. Did that strike you um, at all? I, th I think it's still a beautiful game. I, I'm i approaching it as it's a different game than the original. Um, the original game still exists, and if I wanted to play that version for its visuals, I can. But... I respect that they, you know, played around with it a little bit more. Yeah, it did. I, I think I did notice the bloom was, uh, was a little stronger, more aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it didn't bother me too much. I'm not one of those that, uh, well, even you remember when Wind Waker came out and people were like, this is not Zelda. How dare you make our Zelda look like a cartoon for children. And it was like a 40 year old <laughs> saying, this. I'm like, okay, put your shirt back on. And then secondly, <laughs> like and we were talking about this on a on a the I think it was Zelda 2 Magecast episode that um yeah, fan expectations can be a double-edged sword and the creators of the game own the game and they can say whatever it is is what mm -hmm. they want it to be. So um I like that not every Zelda since Wind Waker looks like Zelda Wind Waker. But the fact that they keep playing around with the visuals of Zelda games is, is I think, more fascinating and more beneficial to the franchise than them just sticking with whatever is most popular. Yeah. What was I going to say? I mean, it's not shocking because they did the same thing with, you know, Zelda 2. I mm -hmm. mean, that side-scroller? Mm -hmm. yeah. What? You know, so... Uh, so yeah, so it's not that shocking that they would try something different, but you know, we, we talked about retro systems. There was a system that we could play GameCube mm -hmm. games. Some that of them. Awesome. Some, Are there some it them? couldn't play? I didn't know that. Some Wii's could not play GameCube. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The first gen Wii's. Oh, the, I see. After yeah. that, then they, they couldn't. Right. I That's true. Which is weird because the price didn't go down. <laughs> Nintendo. Still six price. <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> Uh, cool. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. For what I'm currently playing now, like I said, I'm, I'm in between games. I actually purchased from play Asia, 
the Dragon Quest trilogy um, physical release and so i'm definitely looking forward to playing those i've never played a dragon quest but um oh no never uh which dragon quest games is in that trilogy is it just one two one two three yeah um which they were released on switch super quietly like somebody shared a screenshot was like what the heck is this wait what on (laughs) switch are you joking and then I could look it yeah. up and it's like the first one's like two ninety nine. I was like, what? But then I saw they were yeah. putting out a physical edition, so I was like, I'll just wait for that. Um so yeah, I've played Final Fantasy games all my life and Breath of Fire, um, lots of RPGs on the Super Nintendo, but never played a Dragon Quest, so I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh thanks. Uh what about you, Blue? What have you been playing? So I knuckled down this week, and I finished Greedful. Yay! <laughs> Yay! It's over. It's done. <laughs> you did it. I did it. So you feel? I've, do you feel like you accomplished something great in your life now, though? That you beat that game? Uh, <laughs> sure. Do you feel like you, you learned something fulfilled. about yourself? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> Something about sure. like the the perseverance of the human spirit and stuff like that. Yeah. Ooh. Something. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, when I finished the Gallows, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> and then I finished this one. I was like, "Great, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, this was not as trying to get through as a Gallows, but I'm oh. I'm glad to be done with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's so crappy that you had to start over. Like, I don't know what was it like. After nine, nine hours, yeah, I lost hours, five hours. hours. Yeah. 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 So, did your memory card get yeah. corrupted or what happened? Nope. The game is broken. Ooh. Yeah. Well, yep. what is with you and getting broken games? <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> that's crazy. Apparently, all game developers should send their games to me before they release them because if your game is breakable, I will figure out how to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a good skill to have, you Lou. I suppose it is. I should go be a highly paid games yeah, tester. Yeah, you could be like a freelance <laughs> yeah, a games paid. tester. There you go. Freelance yeah. games <laughs> tester. Yeah. But no, it's serious because I, I've been looking at now that I'm done a lot of feedback and reviews of Gradefall. No one else has done what I oh. did. Wow. No one else has reached that fail point. It's just me. Well, if it makes you feel be- better, my uh, my brother was playing Chrono Trigger at my house, and he somehow got the game to freeze. I was like, wait, wait, what? I don't think, like, I've played through Chrono Trigger like 2,000 times, and I've never seen it freeze. So that was, yeah. Some people just have a knack, I guess. A certain okay, sh- we have a talent <laughs> yeah, for breaking A certain things. shine to them. Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah so um i've talked a lot about the gameplay in the the last couple episodes so i won't go too much into that it doesn't change much throughout the rest of the second half of the game um it's still it's it's mostly talking and it gets a little better the longer you go into it so maybe instead of the 80 percent talking 20 percent action that it is in the beginning you might get 70 percent talking and 30 percent action Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is that most of the quests are just a series of go here and talk to this mm. person, go here and talk to this person, go here and talk to this person. And then when you've talked to all the people, you might get a little battle. That's just a very run of the mill battle and it's over in 60 seconds. Mm. Or if you've actually 
you get the best possible result, there'll be no action at all. So I feel like the flow. That's yeah, boring. <laughs> the flow of the game, there's not a lot of emotional ups and downs. There's not a lot of tension. It's mostly just talking. There's not the anticipation and the nervousness of a great boss fight. You mm. know, mm. there there's very few bosses in this game. Like there's some optional hunts that you can go and do, but they were a pain in the butt to find and I didn't bother because mm. they don't show up on your map. They say, go north of this river in this area. And I was like, I don't, that yeah. sounds hard. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's like, if, if you're looking for, for differences in emotional tonality, you, you don't get that so much. Mm. So it, yeah, it's mostly talking and, um, which I think is why the game really starts to fall apart in the second half, because in the first half, the story is what, and the, the, the good, interesting story and the good dialogue and the great voice acting is what kept the game afloat despite the rest of its problems. And in the second half, you start to, like, the shine starts to peel off, and you realize that underneath, it's not really gold. It's, it's this cheap metal with this gold paint on top of it. <laughs> because there, every, every, there are no characters, really, in the game. There's very few actual characters. There's mostly stereotypes. And every stereotype is based on one of the three main factions in the game. So you have the, the islanders... Um, who are, you know, all the nature oriented and they use the magic. And then you have the bridge alliance, which is very cold and calculating and scientific. And then you have Teleme and they're, uh, completely founded around a religion. So as you go through the game, you have to go talk to people from these different factions and you can count on every single conversation being exactly the same. Hmm. So you know that Every time you go speak to an Islander, you're going to have to sit through a, a lecture about how you're a stupid Renaigze from the continent and you don't understand nature and you don't care and you're ruining everything, which, you know, I guess makes sense within the context of the game. But by the time you've sat through that same lecture 60 times, you're like, no, I don't care anymore. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> And you can count that every single time you go speak to somebody from Teleme, you're going to get preached at about how you need to follow the enlightened and, you know, come to salvation. And, you know, it's just the, it, the, the interactions become extremely predictable and tiresome. It kind of sounds like Twitter, actually. (laughs) 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 People probably constantly like moralizing you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing over and over and over again. The same thing over and over and over again. Yep. You have to. There's a lot of depth to this game, actually, Blue. <laughs> oh, there you Social go. Commentary. It's very meta. <laughs> yeah. You have to wonder that, very like, meta. sometimes you play a game, you're like, there has to be better use for this technology. Than <laughs> 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 yeah. Well,. See, one of the things that I enjoyed about Greedfall was the world building. I thought the world building was really great. But then in the second half of the game, it's like you realize that they built this wonderful world with all of this potential and they didn't go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. Like the the Islanders, 
you get the impression that talking from them, that their society is absolutely perfect. They never have any problems with anyone. Everyone agrees. Everyone gets along. Everyone does exactly what they're supposed to. And then at some point in the game, you're wandering around, you might come across this family who has been exiled from the Islander society because they broke a rule. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This has potential. Let's explore this. Nope. Mm. You just kind of, it's very much in passing. You just walk by, you say hi, you keep going. (laughs) We can't, can't spend time on those outsiders though, Blue. You can't spend time actually telling stories. We just created a world. It's stagnant. It doesn't go anywhere. And you just explore it. Yeah, the the other thing that I think is leads to this whole thing about Greedfall, having prepared the groundwork for a story, which is the difficult part, and then just completely like walked away from it, is the main character, Desarde. And you can choose the main character to be male or female, but I chose female, so I'll just refer to her as her. Um, But she she has absolutely nothing that makes her unique in the sense that she wants nothing for herself. She has no goals of her own. She only has the same like macro goals that everybody else has where she wants to help uh, her, her, the merchant Alliance, which is her country. She wants to help her cousin, who's the governor of the merchant Alliance. And she wants to stop the Malachor, which is the plague that's spreading throughout the continent. And her mom back home is suffering from. Well, yeah, but she leaves knowing that her mother's going to die. Yeah. She has no illusions about being able to save her mother. So she wants nothing for herself. She has no personal goals. So we we never get to know her. We never even find out if she has a first name. Mm. So it's Yeah, I mean it's it's she's just really this blank slate of a character who runs around doing everybody else's errands, never does anything for herself. I mean, there is one side quest that involves her, but it's not even her quest. It's given to her by somebody else. And when it's done, it's never spoken about again. So different contrast from uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, huh? Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There you have a small personal story set in this wider world. And I think you need both. This is just a wider world. Yeah. And then you get to the end of Greedfall. Um, I'll try to explain it without giving anything away. But in the end, you're given one of two choices of how you want to end the game. And one choice makes no narrative sense whatsoever. I actually, I played through, you have to beat the boss each time, uh, but because I was save scumming really bad this whole time, I <laughs> I actually played through to get both endings. One ending makes absolutely zero narrative sense, um, but you can choose it if you want to. The other one has this great emotional moment and finally an opportunity to get to know something personal about Desarde, and mm. they just skip over it completely and oh. throw in this cheesy little closing, and it's like, oh, God, really? Mm. Uh, so you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a tragedy, honestly. Yeah. It had so much potential. Like, even if you disregard 
the clunky gameplay and the bad graphics, not all of the graphics, but a lot of the graphics are real bad. They had this world that could have been amazing. Mm. And they just didn't do anything with it. Mm. That's too bad. Uh, so I know you just finished it, so you're not done with the review yet, right? No, I'm going to be working on that this weekend, and hopefully it will be up soon on the wellreadmage.com. There you go. Uh, have you been playing anything else? I have, because Gamerheads got a review code for Cat Quest 2 on the Switch. Yay! Yay! So I played that for probably three hours last night. Yeah. It's way fun. If you like yeah. the first game, you'll like this one. Good. It's a lot the same, except for this has the potential for two-player co-op. But if you have nobody to play with, it's not a big deal. The computer just fills in the other character, and they don't get in the way or anything like that. It's not cumbersome like it would be in some games. Yeah. It works really well so far. Uh, coach co-op or online co-op or both? I don't know. Oh, okay. I just picked the one-player option. Okay. Uh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I I got that code yesterday, and I was like, blue. Guess what I got? <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> Something fun to play. Yeah, and it's, yeah. You know, what I like about this game, for as simple and silly as it looks on the outside, it's so clever. The writing is really clever. There are lots of little stories that are told well, um, lots of meta jokes and puns. And so, yeah, especially after playing a game where there was almost no story, Yeah. this one, I'm appreciating it very much. Cool. That's awesome. Yay. Cool. Anything else? That's it. Nice. Mostly Greedfall, so. <laughs> what about you, Christian? Over the last weekend, I got a couple new computer parts because I was experiencing performance issues throughout my entire playthrough of Borderlands. I was getting some uh -huh. stuttering. And then uh, when I started Metro Exodus, I was getting some stuttering. And I was able to narrow in on my processor being the problem, which had served me very well for five years. So it was time to move on to a new one. But before I could do that, I couldn't just replace my processor. I needed a new motherboard. And because of that, I also need a new RAM. And because of that, I also need a new cooler for my CPU. So, so you might as well have remilt. Yeah, <laughs> I basically rebuilt the thing, which was the first time I did so in five years. And I was very nervous because of it. But it all went together just fine. Turned on the first try. No problems whatsoever. It was a very positive experience. And I am very embarrassed to say that I leveraged the new power of my PC to play through some Call of Duty online. Call of Duty mobile. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, because you should be embarrassed. Tencent officially puts out a an Android emulator client type thing and they are the company in charge of like we mentioned at the top of the show a bunch of stuff including mm -hmm. PUBG mobile and call of duty mobile and they're the developers of call of duty mobile so i figured i'd give it a shot and it like <laughs> i i'm very embarrassed to say it because uh it's not fair that i am playing an android game with keyboard and mouse so it's fun <laughs> i'm sure you're not the only one <laughs> I hope not, because uh, I'm playing against other supposedly real people and am getting like 30 kills and they can't kill me at all. And so it's very entertaining because I'm firing off kill streaks <laughs> left and right. It's like turning on God mode in any other Call of Duty game. And what I really like is it's just a wonderful hodgepodge of Call of Duty crap. 
So, you know, I'm running around on Nuketown, quickscoping people with a Modern Warfare 2 gun while a Black Ops 2 song plays in the background. Fantastic. Thank you. I love just all of this disparate parts of my Call of Duty knowledge in my brain getting connected in this one mobile game that I'm playing on my computer because I'm a sad soul. (laughs) It also has Battle Royale, which runs surprisingly well on, I mean, for being a mobile thing, and it works. And I've won the first four Battle Royale games that I played because it's not fair, and I'm playing on PC. Wow. You are, uh, people will probably play against you and say, man, this guy is really good. This yeah. Falcon guy is amazing. Yeah. I or is that, that the, do you use that name? For your I do. Game? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so, so I will say this, uh, that's the reason I don't like computer or PC gaming. I know like there's a lot of people that love PC gaming, but, but I, I, I can't stand the fact that when I put a game in, I just want it to work. I don't want to have to go out and buy a bunch of new parts and such. Mm-hmm. So, I got you. Yeah. But because That's of it, me. I can run games I know. far better than my PS4 currently can. And it's wonderful. I know. I know. But you also paid a lot of money, I'm sure, for your parts. That's true. Yes, sir. Yeah. But it's a very, it's basically my main hobby, gaming is at this point. And so experiencing things in the maximum fidelity possible is something I am, I will happily spend ridiculous <laughs> amounts of money on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's, that's awesome. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm jealous because I wish I had an awesome gaming computer, but uh, I just can't afford it. That's okay, Roger. All I did was play Call of Duty Mobile on it anyways. <laughs> For shame. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, your computer has a personality and it's like, hey, we're all ready. What game are we going to play? And you're like, Call of Duty? And they're like, yeah, mobile. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like your dog when you get the leash out to go for a walk, and they get all excited, and then you just turn around and put it down, and they're like, yeah, "Exactly." Like, what, what? Why did you? Why did you pick that up? Oh, no reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you're killing it in Call of Duty Mobile, Christian. What are you playing? Anything else? Yeah, it's it's been a rough gaming week for me because it, uh, most of my time has been spent in marathon sessions in Persona Five. Because mm-hmm. I am sticking to my New Year's resolution. I want to get this game done. And I want to get it out the door before Modern Warfare and the Outer Worlds drop. Because that's also the main reason why I upgraded my computer. Because I want to be able to play those when they do come out in a couple weeks. Yeah. And I want to get Persona 5 done. I'm over 110 hours in now. I have surpassed oh the 110-hour mark. And according to my work buddy, I am halfway about halfway, he says. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah. It keeps going and going and going. And 110 hours later, I am I can confidently say that the game has an egregious pacing problem, which is something I talked about a little bit at the beginning because I was a little frustrated because the game incentivizes you to spend your days doing one thing. And so because of that, the JRPG combat is going to be in... One section, like one 10-hour chunk JRPG combat, one 10-hour chunk of talking to people. And that's how it's been this whole time. And the story is interesting. I love the characters. They don't do the best job of establishing intrigue because 110 hours later, I am like very hyper aware of the structure and how the dungeons work. They set up the dungeon, you meet the new character, you get a new character to develop a relationship with, you go through the dungeon, you defeat the boss, and then a bunch more talking again. Mm. And they toy with things a little bit here or there. Like the, I just, uh, the, 
this past week I made it through two more dungeons. There doesn't seem to be a lot of dungeons because you do the dungeon, which is like 10, 15 hours, and then you talk for like 10, 15 hours. And so I've done like two of those now. And they the last one I did did a good job of establishing intrigue creating a mystery for you to be interested in but by the end of that dungeon you kind of figure out everything that's happening to an extent as far as those characters are concerned and then it's kind of just flatlining again where the beginning of the game was great because you're getting hit with all these new concepts and ideas and all this stuff is like very neat and unique but once you're five dungeons in You've seen basically the shtick five times now, and so you've got to put a lot of your own personal investment into the characters and just clicking through dialogue for 10 hours when you could be JRPG fighting and progressing your character is a little exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that with a lot of JRPGs. They, I, I, I mean, do people like to sit through all that kind of dialogue? Because I certainly don't. Yeah, there's people out there who, like, Persona games are the only games they play because that is their niche, and they will sit there and click X through all that dialogue three times in New Game Plus. (laughs) I guess I'm not that Xenoblade Chronicles 2. That's all I have to say. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cool. Anything else, Christian? No, that's it for me. I'm going to be playing a heck of a lot more Persona 5 and hoping it ends... Before I hit the 200-hour mark. Yeah. Oof. You got this. You can yeah. do this. Thank you. But but look at all the look at the value we got out of that game. Yeah. That's true. Well, <laughs> well the sad part is that uh, in like a handful of months, my experience with Persona 5 is going to be rendered completely obsolete by the fact that Persona 5R is now out in like yeah. five or six months. Yeah. So, Are you going to start over no no i refuse i cannot do that <laughs> to myself if there was that a was platinum trophy so for it, would you well there's going to be a separate platinum trophy but i mean a 200 hour investment for one platinum trophy is not the no. kind of balance i'm looking for in my life yeah. you can play like 20 goose games instead exactly. yeah there you go uh nice uh for myself i have been playing uh, we reviewed this. So it's on our site at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. Uh, we reviewed the game Killer Queen Black. Uh, that's out for the Switch, Xbox, and Steam. It's cross-play compatible, so you can play that online, which was actually kind of fun, because then you can see, uh, you can totally tell who the Switch players are and who the Xbox players are <laughs> based on your avatars that pop up. It's kind of funny. Oh. Yeah, because when you, pl- when you play the game, so if you haven't played this game, it's an, it's an arcade it's an arcade game that got, uh, I don't want to say ported. They they actually rebuilt it from the ground up for the Switch. And it's a platform game. It reminds me a lot of, like, uh, Joust, the game Joust. Um, and you have one queen who can go and kill a bunch of workers or, or kill the other queen. And then you have worker bees. And it's teams of four. And... Uh, it's pretty chaotic, and there's three ways you can win the game. You can either win the game by uh, killing the queen three times, so the queen can kill the queen, but also the worker bees can also get power-ups and get weapons and kill the queen. Uh, you can do the economic, where you collect a bunch of berries and fill your hive full of berries. Or the third way is winning the race by jumping on a snail and crossing a finish line uh, with the snail. And I will say, Christian... 
This is this is my this is my e esports glory game. I'm come I'm making a comeback in the esports uh, arena with this game. I won like four games now, four or five games that I played online. I mean, because Phil actually was the one that reviewed it, but I I I also got uh, the game too. And and uh, jumping on the snail, man. I I am a I'm a god at riding the snail. <laughs> Congratulations. Your own horn. You must be very proud. uh, My parents are super proud. Um, (laughs) You know, they they knew that one day this was going to be my my claim to fame. I wasn't good at sports, but when it comes to riding a snail, this is this is it. Your future's bright, kid. Yep. So yeah, I've been playing. I actually, well, I I actually have probably well, I have four wins. I probably have more losses than that (laughs) because. Then I jumped in the rank games because that was just the casual games. I'm like, I'm gonna play some rank games because I'm good. And then I realized I'm not really that good because there's really good players in the rank game. But it's it's fun. It's it's great now because there's the game launched on f- Thursday, Thursday, Thursday or Friday, and now there's actual players. Oh, Friday! It launched on Friday, so now there's actual players. Before, I mean, they would have certain days that they would have like open for the people that had uh, the game in advance. And you were able to find games, but sometimes you waited for a long time. But now I'm actually able to jump in games. It's cool. It's awesome. Is there any voice chat features or any way to kind of coordinate? Because it's like a game where you are kind of attacking one win condition. So like collaborating makes gameplay more effective. Yep. There is in in game voice. So I was actually shocked that Nintendo allowed this, but you can actually. Well, I think they kind of had to because you can play with people from Xbox or Steam. I don't know how you could play this game if you just were stuck to your Nintendo voice chat app thing. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of had to put that native voice in it. Uh, and it and, and it works. I never chatted on it, but there was some guy that was, like, yelling things at people. <laughs> Sounds like that was mobile. Fun. Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting because outside of that, I never chatted with anybody. Nobody ever talked. But because of, like, you knew what people were working on, right? So I jumped on the snail, and then all of a sudden you could see the queen would start protecting me. Gotcha. And then other worker bees would, you know, they knew. They knew, oh, well, we got to get that across uh, the finish line. Uh, so just, you know, paying attention to what's going on on the screen allowed for nonverbal communications to happen. And it's just the one game mode, right? It's just one game mode, yep. Do you feel like that's enough? Like, is the one mm. game mode dynamic enough with its three victory conditions to keep it interesting and fresh every time you play it? Yeah, that was my that was my thing that I mentioned in the review, that it, it, it will capture you for a short burst, but if you want to sit down and... I mean, I, there are people that really love just that competitive over and over and over again doing the same thing. But for me, I just kind of got bored with it after a while. I was like, okay, well, I mean, that was fun. I could play it for maybe an hour or so, but to play it beyond that, I don't think I could play that longer. I th- I, I think that streaming it, though, and having people watch and like interact, I think that's... And that's actually one thing. I didn't realize that this was an arcade game before Phil told me that. Mm-hmm. But he said it's super popular in the arcades because they'll have, you know, four on four. So it's eight controllers. And then they'll have huge screens above the actual arcade where the players are seeing. Mm-hmm. And, like, people come around and watch and, like, cheer and, you know, whatever. So it is it is meant to be a spectator, spectator sport. And unlike, like, Overwatch or other games where they try to make, like, an e Well, I mean, not ma- trying to. They do have an e 
league for that stuff. Like as a spectator, it's hard for me to follow what's going on in those games because it's just all over the place. And, and I, I, I'm like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, this is easy. I mean, it's pretty straightforward what you're trying to accomplish here. And you, and you know, in, in, and it's all on one screen and I'll have to sit there and watch different players jump all over the place. So I can see where this is, there's an appeal from an esports perspective, uh, that this is very, very popular. Uh, so I've been playing that. And then the other game that I've been playing is Asphalt 9 Legends. And it's a free-to-play game that's on the Switch right now. I don't Have you know played on... any of the other Asphalt games, Roger? I did not. I didn't know there was eight other games before this one. <laughs> they were phone games, I believe. Yeah, I, and that makes sense. I mean, I will say, though, the graphics are really good for for uh, for a free-to-play game. And I, for a free-to-play game, there's actually quite a bit that I can do in the game. And I started my own club, so you can have other people join your club, and then your prestige points that you earn work together as a group, and then you can uh, get uh, like packs. So that's it is very. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a, a microtransaction heavy game. Yeah. See, that was my next question because yeah. that clip that Mike posted online looked great. It was, and, and it's, you there's licensed cars and everything. Yeah, it's and amazing. It, it, the cra- the super slow mo crashes, they look great. Yeah, but <laughs> like, how annoying is it? Uh, so I mean, you are given one car to start with, and then if you want to earn more cards, you have to open up packs, and yeah, and the packs that you get, you get every four hours, you get one free pack. Uh, which has two cards in it, and it, you don't know what cards you're going to get, and you don't know what kind of car you're going to unlock. And some of the cards require you to earn 32 of that car, or that card, uh, 32 cards of that car before that car unlocks. Oh, uh, no, sorry. You lost me at cards. <laughs> I mean, what, talk about breaking the immersion. Yeah. What what scenario ever makes sense that you would improve your cars in your garage with cards? <laughs> yeah. They didn't so, even try to do something that would at least make some sort of sense within that world. Well, I mean, there's so so. <laughs> I'm not trying to defend this game because I agree with you, uh, but there are there are um, some things that in the game where you have uh, you have points. You get like these. I don't know what they call them. There's 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 two types of currency in the game. There's there's the tokens that you have in the game, and then those tokens you can use to buy new cards, new packs of cards. Uh, so you get the free pack every four hours, but they're like common cards. But then you can spend these tokens that you get uh, to buy uh, you know better cards, premium packs of cards, and you get more cards in those premium packs. And uh huh, yeah. And and in so you can grind to get those points. Like so if you do your daily challenges, you can get these tokens. You earn like, you can earn a token for, or two or maybe five, depending on, on what kind of daily goals you have. And then you can use those points to to buy new packs. Uh but the packs are like sixty-five tokens to seventy-five tokens, depending on what kind of facts you want to buy? I'm sorry. Was that sigh out loud? <laughs> Tokens and cards. Seriously. <laughs> the other the other way you can level up your car is that when you when you complete a race, you get these points. These I don't know what they call them. I forget what they call them, but they're they're like leveling up points. And then you can take those points, and then you can level up your car 
uh, that you earn through the cards. Uh, what <laughs> was wrong with like the way the old Need for Speed games used to do it, where you want a better car, you better win one by beating somebody in a race. Yeah, yeah. Or you want to upgrade your car, well, you better win some race money. Okay, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Well, and, and, and so you can level up your car with these points that you earn in the races, and you can level them up to a certain point, but then at a certain point, then you have to... <laughs> You have to get pieces like um uh like parts to the car like my so you get like so the four parts you can level up your car, your car with are are the transmission, the acceleration, the handling, and the nitro. Those are the four areas that you can level up with these points. But if you level them up too far or at a certain point, then it opens up like oh you can add parts to your car. I'm like cool, that's cool, but that is only earned through you guessed it cards. And you get random cards, and I have not earned any cards that have parts at all yet. And, um, I, okay, so those are the bad things. It's, it's microtransaction trans, heavy. It really is. Um, and but ridiculous. I, and a little bit ridiculous. But the game is actually really fun to play. Uh, the, the play style is really fun. And I have... I have <laughs> I have a car that is colored like a Nintendo Switch. So it has one side red, one side blue, and the middle black. That's pretty cool, right, Blue? <laughs> That's great, Roger. With all the other uh, choices out there for quality driving games available on the market, I'm going to skip past all of those and go play this so I can earn cards and tokens. It's free. And my car like a Switch. It's free. <laughs> But it's free to play. <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> you can, you can. Remember how you talked about how you buy Diddy Kong for forty dollars? Well, you can't buy, you can't buy starter packs, which comes with a bunch of cars and a bunch of tokens, and uh, those are twenty dollars each. So you can buy two starter packs out there right now, twenty dollars oh a peach. So, yeah. Uh, but if you are playing Asphalt Legends. <laughs> I did start a club so you can join my club. It's Snake Gamerhead's club, so you can join that, and then we can work together to earn prestige points so we can earn more cards. Yeah, I won't be there. <laughs> I hope you guys all earn lots of tokens. Hey, Mike and I are are killing it. We're ranked eleven thousand something in the in the oh, rank. Wow. Yeah. Hey, so anyway, uh, so those are the games that I've been playing. Are you in this week. asphalt game, Roger? Are you racing yeah. real people or is it just AIs? So that's interesting that you said it. So in the beginning, you're racing AIs. And then as you progress along, you earn flags for the different races. And, uh, and, and once you get up to a certain amount of flags, then you open up the multiplayer race. And then actually you are racing as people online. They actually set up a, a track and then you race and you can earn... Uh, points, prestige points, or these uh, tokens, or these other points to level up your car. And I won. I won today. Mm -hmm. I won one. So, I mean, are you sure you're playing against other people? Are there? Uh, do you have no, to wait for races? Yeah, and things you have like to that? wait for races. Yeah. Okay, because I was like, sometimes those a AI can be really convincing. Yeah. No. No. This is real racers. I I'm like 99 percent sure. I don't think they're like the ghost cars where they. There are, uh, I, I should say this, there are daily challenges that you race that are the, what do they call those, Christian? Like the ghost versions of those cars that yeah. they race the race and then you then you race against them. So that's, that is, the, you're racing against 
their scores basically, but uh, their times. But this, there are actual multiplayer races, but you have to you have to play this game quite a bit to unlock some of that stuff. Uh, like to unlock the club, I had to play the game. I, I don't know, I played it quite a bit before that opened up for me. So there's some progression to that where it opens up different parts of the game, which is weird to me because, I mean, I feel like those are the things that really will pull people into the game. I don't know why you wouldn't want just have that open right away. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. These free-to-play games to me just look, whenever I play them, I am very aware of how they are just a calculated series of psychological oh, manipulations. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like that at all because in a game where you pay all the money up front, the game wants to make you feel good for the sake of feeling good and playing the game. Whereas in a free-to-play game, it wants you to feel good for spending the money. Yeah. So it starts you out. Usually all these free-to-play games, they usually start you out on a very quick pace. You're doing stuff quickly. You're unlocking a lot of things in order to get you that first taste of how quickly you're supposed to feel like you're progressing. And then they turn slowly crank up the difficulty of the AIs so that your car isn't quite good enough yet yet yet. So why not buy a couple more things and then go on the online race and then you get completely obliterated or you shell out 200 bucks on some nice tokens and cards so that you can show off how awesome and fast you are. Yeah, see, but see, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%, 100% agree with you. But that's the difference because I unlocked my third car today. I unlocked a Camaro. And instead of putting like all my like level up points in that, I just kept leveling up the same car because I'm like, I want, why would I do that? Like, I don't, I just want my one car to be really good. I don't need to have a crap ton of cars. And I'm racing against people that have Camaros and, you know, Lamborghinis and, and I'm beating them with my, my crappy little car that I have because I've been focusing on just my, my one car. Um, or I'm that good. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's it too. Uh, <laughs> but a hundred percent agree. I, I mean, there is, I mean, I can, I, I was playing it and I'm like, Hmm, yeah, this is a game that people can totally get addicted to. Like the whole mechanic of opening up cards and seeing what cards you get. I mean, you don't know what kind of cards you're getting. Oh, and that's the other thing is that based on my level of my garage, now see, I'm talking through this and I'm like, this is not a good game, but playing through the game and based on the level of your garage, you get different cars that you can get. So let's say I was level one garage and I got a bunch of cards. Now I'm a level two garage. Now my cards are going to get, are going to be different than, than the ones I got in level one. So I don't know if I'll even get the level one cars that I could have got. Cause now I'm getting now, now the number of cars that, cards that i can get for cars has opened up like twice twice as much so yeah it's interesting because you level up your garage which you do want to get because you can get better cars but because of that then it's going to take you longer to get those cars because now you have more opportunities to have different cards for all those cars that you have does that make sense or is that too confusing sounds like a mobile game to me yeah it's a mobile game uh (laughs) You're not selling it very well, despite your enthusiasm. <laughs> it plays really well. <laughs> it's a pretty game. Uh, but no, you know, I think I think one thing that you mentioned before on the podcast, Christian, is, you know, your concern is that people are going to start, you know, game, game studios start putting all this money and efforts into these mobile type games because it's quick money for them, right? And uh, and constant money, if you're going to spend money on it, you know, it's a constant stream of money. And your concern is that they won't put them into actual development of, of you know, games that are 
something that you buy up front and you get the experience right away. And I mean, there's a lot of polish and a lot of shine in this game. There's also a lot of, uh, yeah, surprise mechanics, if you will. I mean, this is the ninth one of these, right? So hopefully they would have gotten it right the ninth time around. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Are the other ones, this, I'm assuming they're mobile games too. I haven't played any of the other ones. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's what I've been playing. Uh, before we go then, why don't we go around and tell people how they can get a hold of us. So Red, we'll start with you. How can people get a hold of so, you? So uh, hopefully my site is back up. By the time people want to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. the, the one of the wonders of the internet, uh, beyond the great mystery that it is, is uh, moving from WordPress.com to WordPress.org. Um, yeah. Oh. There are so many more opportunities and uh, things you can do on .org, but my goodness, I feel like I'm having to learn an entirely different language. So... Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, the site should hopefully be back up by the time this uh, episode airs anyway. So you can find me at thewellreadmage.com, on Twitter at thewellreadmage. You can find me on Facebook, on freaking Instagram, Reddit. Like, yeah, just pick a platform. You're probably on there. And it's usually always the Well Red Mage, so... Like, I just opened a Pinterest. A Pinterest? I never thought I'd reach a point in my life where I'd open up Pinterest. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the amount of views you can get from Pinterest is kind of mind-blowing. So, yeah. 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 You should also plug you, you're an author, too. So you just came up this with This is true. Too. I don't like talking about it, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just to make you uncomfortable okay. <laughs> on your own podcast. Uh, thanks. Now, I recently self-published a book called The Last Stitch Goes Through the Nose. Uh, we were talking earlier about Joker and society's handling of mental illness and that sort of thing. Kind of what the book is about. I'm just going to say that they borrowed ideas from my book for the movie Joker um, because that's the <laughs> logical assumption to make. So you can find that on Amazon in ebook or physical form. Um, and a lot of people ask me about a sequel. There is no sequel planned for The Last Stitch Goes Through the Nose. Um, so... Suck it up. <laughs> no. <Wow. Yeah>. <laughs> Way to go, Red. Don't sell out. Yeah. Maintain your artistic yeah, you integrity. I, I am the Bill Watterson of books that nobody's read on Amazon. Yes. So there you go. There is a higher yeah, goal. There is. Um, I'd like to write other books, and I have other plans for that in the future. But for now, that is my debut novella, and you can enjoy it if you like. Um, if you want to review it, you can contact me. Uh, my email is thewellreadmage at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to send you a copy. So there's that. Uh, there's also MageCast Podcast, which we mentioned briefly earlier. You can find MageCast on uh, Buzzsprout, Spotify, iTunes, CastBox. I'm still finding out about like new names of things. Like there'd be like, it's <laughs> yeah. like all kinds of ridiculous, like tripod. I was like, okay, I think, I think we've exhausted <laughs> all of the podcast puns for titles of catchers, yeah. um, but there's that. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Cool. Uh, and what about you, Blue? How can people get a hold of you? You can almost always find me on Twitter. My handle is at Writer's View, and it's spelled with a Y, so W-R-Y. And then I also have a website, which is writersview.com. 
Nice. And Christian, how can people get a hold of you? I'm also on Twitter at Christian Cubsy. You can read my reviews at newgamenetwork.com or you can listen to my review of Control at GameRightsPodcast.com. Yeah. And listeners, as I mentioned before, you can always reach us. Probably the easiest way and fastest way for you is on Twitter. It's GamerHeadsPC. But we also have Facebook.com slash GamerHeadsPodcast. We also have a website, too. And like Christian said, you can listen to our reviews and episodes uh, right there and news articles that we write as well. And that's at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. All right. Well, Red, again, thank you so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate you stepping in and, and getting up early. To no problem. Us. I hope you guys enjoyed my impression of uh, Mike. Uh, I've been doing this whole time. <laughs> it was really well done. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me, though. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I actually was confused for a while. I almost called ah, you. Mike that was my goal. Time, so, But then I shouldn't have named my username yeah. Red on this. So that was my <laughs> Achilles heel. <laughs> Yeah, that's what the, I was. Oh, no, it's red. So, uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And Blue, thank you for joining us. You are welcome. And Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. And and if you do like what you have to hear, if you do like what you have to hear, if you do like what you, what you hear here, go out to our <laughs> iTunes account and leave us a review there. That helps us grow as a podcast not only because we get to see what you like about the show or what you like to hear more about the show, but then also that helps uh, other listeners find our show as well, because that's how the algorithms work on iTunes. The more reviews, the more it goes out to people, and then people get to find our show. So appreciate those that leave reviews for us. We we do appreciate those, and we read through every one of those, and uh, and, and it makes us better as a show as well. So thank you. With that, we'll bid you adieu, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Adios. Later. Bye. Bye.